Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back with Christopher uh, Chung, who is the CEO of the Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina, a uh, public-private partnership um, that uh, is charged with helping economic development in North Carolina, which not only, as we've talked about, includes finding new industry and new jobs, but also working with those who um, uh, are already in the uh, uh, business community and in, in, in improving their situations. Uh, and so we asked Christopher if there's anything he particularly wanted to talk about, and he's given me a list of four things. So we're going to just go right down oh, the I list. Oh, I have. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody did. Um, so one of the things I see a note here is energizing rural North Carolina conferences, which were introduced last year. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's right. So that's an initiative from our board of directors uh, who really wanted to try to do something for our, from our organization's standpoint to move the needle on rural North Carolina. As we talked about earlier in the segment, a lot of rural North Carolina is certainly facing some challenges. Again, not all of them uh, are, are you know impossible to overcome, and we want to try to help arm communities with what we think are some good case studies and success examples around the state of how to address uh, some of these key building blocks. So again, going back to this idea that uh, if if you don't have some of these foundational pieces in place as a community, especially as a rural community, it's going to be really hard to expect you to be able to recruit a company or convince a company to come in from the outside. And those building blocks, from our perspective, are issues like education, workforce, uh, infrastructure like broadband, like we talked about, uh, health. Uh, again, people don't necessarily think of health and healthcare as an economic development issue, but it really is. If your workers are not healthy because they cannot access good healthcare resources, that's certainly going to affect your viability as an employer. Uh, and then, last of all, leadership. Uh, you and I were talking during the break that leadership. Uh, the, the bench in many communities is just not as deep, and it really does take good, strong local leadership to drive positive changes in these other building block areas like education, healthcare, infrastructure, and workforce. So we did this for the first time last year, talking about all five of these issues. Uh, we're getting ready to get together in two weeks to focus on one of those building blocks, uh, workforce, uh, talking about talent attraction talent retention and talent development in rural areas with a lot of great case studies, really great presenters, and we hope to address each of those other building blocks in subsequent years to come. So we're very excited about that. Uh, it's our way of, of helping aid that discussion around what can be done to assist rural North Carolina. I should have asked this question earlier, but I'm just going to sort of get away from the topics right now and ask you, Christopher, how did you end up in North Carolina? Because you attended the Ohio State University. By the way, the, the graduates up there call it the Ohio State University. <laughs> and they get quite angry when you don't call it the Ohio State it, it's University. It's the Ohio State when you write it. I'm, I'm quite fine if you say Ohio State in, the, in just you know, a normal conversation. So I, I'm a native of Ohio, born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Spent my first 30 years there, including my first 10 years in state economic development uh, for what uh, was then the state's Department of Commerce in Ohio. Then I spent seven years heading up Missouri's public-private uh, partnership focused on business recruitment and business attraction. When North Carolina was looking at uh, taking this same approach a few years ago, they benchmarked Missouri as one of the states they wanted to learn from. That's how I got in touch with the people here. One conversation led to another, and here I am five years uh, into the job here. In fact, our organization, the EDPNC, is getting ready to celebrate its fifth birthday coming up here in about two weeks. So uh, I've been really privileged to be part of the team uh, since day one. Now, there's a rumor that you came because uh, from uh, Missouri to North Carolina because our beaches were better. 
There are not a lot of beaches in Missouri. There are a lot of great things, including some really good brisket barbecue, not pulled pork. They can't do pulled pork very well, but the brisket's fantastic. But yeah, the mountains, the beaches, I mean, North Carolina, for someone who grew up and lived most of his life in the Midwest, it's just, it's a, a lovely, lovely well, place you know, to that's, live. That's got to be a great aid in what you're doing, because this is a good, uh, diverse state, uh, and it's... Uh, uh, such a uh, politically uh, diverse, uh, you know, we're a purple state. I mean, we, it, we it's sort of well balanced, I think, in our thought. Sometimes that leads to some political problems, but it certainly does, and we stay out of that. But you're right. The natural scenery, the the temperate weather, um, you know, days like today where it's gorgeous, beautiful outside. I mean, those things are all part of that sales yeah. pitch, depending on who you're talking to. But yes, as someone who's lived other places and moved here only recently, hopefully that makes me in a pretty good position to tell others who may be thinking about making the move here to North Carolina. We hear a lot about our interest in China because China has such a huge population. But uh, India also is a uh, uh, a country that has huge numbers of people, and I understand that you're locating an office there and are looking at India as well as China. Yeah, that's right. So we've had an office in China. North Carolina has for probably 20 years now, but uh, just last year, so I think November of 2018, the first time ever in North Carolina – uh, an office was set up in India specifically with the focus of identifying Indian companies that might be looking to move to the United States, expand operations, and of course we want to attract them here to North Carolina. So this this office does what we call foreign direct investment, but again, identifying Indian companies in pharma, in automotive-related manufacturing, in IT uh, that are thinking they need to be in the United States with a presence, and what we want to do is put North Carolina in front of them as the best option here in the U.S. In fact, uh, you may have seen it, but uh, just the other day, the governor and secretary of commerce announced Kaliani Group, uh, Bharat Forge. Uh, it's a $3 billion a year industrial conglomerate based in India that will be opening up a new manufacturing facility in Sanford uh, in Lee County. Uh, that project was a result of a team effort, including our India office, which helped to develop that initial relationship with Kaliani Group. And so that's exactly the kind of outcome that we want to see as a result of these overseas offices that we have. Well, foreign trade is so interesting because each area is so different. I know you also have a trade office in the Middle East, and that's yet quite different from India and China. That's right. Yeah, yeah. This, this office is focused on helping North Carolina companies export uh, yeah. into the Middle East market, which you can imagine there's a lot of wealth, a lot of consumer purchasing power over there, a lot of hotels being built, stadiums being built, a lot of real estate getting developed. So the furniture industry here in North Carolina, for example, has had a lot of success selling products into the Middle East as their economy expands over there. We've helped a lot of healthcare and medical-related companies also expand because, again, as the wealth grows in the Middle East, so too does the demand for high-quality medical care and healthcare products. So, again, just a way, another way that we can help existing North Carolina companies to tap into new markets overseas because if they're successful, that's going to lead to more growth by those North Carolina companies right here at home. Now we've got two ports. We've got. I'm changing the subject on you again. Sure, we've got yeah. two ports: uh, Morehead City, and Wilmington. And yet, uh, the amount of commerce that they uh, transact, or the number of landings, or whatever you might call it, uh, is uh, pales in comparison to Norfolk and, and the South Carolina ports. Uh, what are we doing there to increase that and make it more attractive for North Carolina? Sure. So a lot of that has to do with infrastructure improvements, especially around the Port of Wilmington, uh, making sure the Port of Wilmington is able to accommodate uh, what they call post-Panamax vessels. So these much, much larger shipping uh, sh uh, ships that can carry even more cargo, basically deepening the basin at the port, allowing these ships to come in. 
um, installing more crane capacity, uh, refrigerated frozen warehouse capacity for food products. Uh, those are all infrastructure investments that you've seen the state make in our ports, especially, like I said, the Port of Wilmington. Yes, our numbers are not what uh, you would see in Port of Savannah, Port of Charleston, Port of Norfolk, uh, but they are growing. And the nice thing about being smaller than those other large ports is the turn times are a lot faster for trucks coming in and coming out of the Port of Wilmington or the Port of Moorhead City. And that time savings is a huge advantage as the ports try to get more traffic coming through their areas. So are we investing enough there, or are we too slow? Uh, Well, you know, that's probably a great question for uh, Paul Koza. He's the CEO of the North Carolina Ports Authority. I'm sure more investment always helps because there's always things to do to step up our competitiveness. Uh, They've done a great job attracting additional shippers and carriers to run through their ports. Uh, We certainly deal with companies that are interested in locating nearby or adjacent to those ports because it provides them logistical advantages. Now, will we ever catch Charleston, Norfolk, Virginia? There's quite a bit of a distance between our ports and theirs, but it doesn't mean that our ports aren't growing rather healthily, which is which is what they're doing right now. now. I know you also have started a new initiative this year to help North Carolina small businesses, and that uh, a business, a small business by this definition is 500 or fewer employees, increase their international sales in Southeast Asia, which uh, you've identified as a hot market. That's like Singapore and Thailand and Vietnam and such. That's right. Yeah. Again, going back to similar to why we have that office in the Middle East, uh, this this these offices have to do to support our export assistance function. And then, like I said, that's about helping our North Carolina manufacturers find new customers and markets overseas. So I think we're always trying to think where are the other parts of the world where our manufacturers can have success selling into uh, customers in those parts of the world. Uh, so that's that's just another of those recent initiatives that we're taking a look at. How do we step up our game in Southeast Asia? Because that's also somewhere where we see has tremendous consumer purchasing power that will benefit and buy products from our North Carolina companies. And of course, our relationship with China is very important. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's good news and bad news there. I always uh, tell people when they worry a little bit about China, I say their investment is such in uh, our economy that they can't afford to bomb us. So... <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, we, we, we at least don't have a military enemy there. <laughs> no, no. But uh, though there is a lot of influence uh, of Chinese investments in the United States. Are we, uh, uh, in, by like sign, also investing greatly in China? Or? Uh, so I'm sure there are a lot of North Carolina-based companies that have operations in the China market. Uh, we don't really get involved in that sort of thing, where if a, a North Carolina headquartered company wants to open a new factory in China, of course, we're not really – there's there's folks in China that are trying to make that happen. That's not really part of what we do. Uh, as I said, we help North Carolina companies sell into markets overseas, and we try to attract companies that are based overseas to expand here into North Carolina. And we have seen a steady flow – of deal activity from the China market. Again, Chinese companies in everything from automotive to IT to life sciences who are interested in setting up operations somewhere in the United States, and we want that somewhere in the U.S. to be right here in North Carolina. Now, how will these trade tensions affect that deal flow long term? Really hard to say. We're we're working with probably seven or eight Chinese companies right now that are seriously considering opening up something in the United States, uh, but have some of them slowed down their plans because of trade tensions? Uh, Yes, you're seeing a little bit of that right now, at least in our world. Well, trade tensions uh, always are very contentious until they settle, and then everybody, for some reason or other, becomes great friends and starts smiling again. So maybe that'll happen. (laughs) Let us Uh, all hope. 
Uh, well, it is, uh, of course, in the news all the time these days, and it is of great concern. But usually when they're settled, they're settled and everybody's happy and it settles down again. Our guest is uh, Christopher Chung. He's the CEO of the Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina. And we'll be back with one final segment of Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. When we get old, will you take care of me if I can't get around anymore? Of course. We'll find a way. Are you going to take care of me if I can't see anymore? I'll read to you every day. And if one of us gets Alzheimer's disease, what then? Call 1-800-437-2423 for a free booklet on caring for your loved ones from Alzheimer's Disease Research. 1-800-437-2423. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on uh, Carolina Newsmakers uh, with Christopher Chung, the CEO of the Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina. We've talked about all the things that they're doing to affect commerce in North Carolina, not only increasing our awareness to people who are opening new jobs, but also helping the existing companies in North Carolina with their growth. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked about uh, a number of things. Which state or regions are our biggest competitors? We yeah, can... great, great question, Don. I mean, it really depends on the kind of company we're dealing with. If it's a manufacturer, uh, whether that's automotive or aerospace, we're typically competing often with South Carolina. Uh, Tennessee uh, is usually in that mix, as is Georgia. Uh, if we're talking more of an office or headquarters type project, that's when you're going to see places like Texas often be in the mix, uh, perhaps Northern Virginia, uh, sometimes even markets up in the Northeast, you know, the New York cities, the Bostons. But I'd say most of the competition we face on most projects tends to be regional here in the Southeast and, and the greater South, you know, Southern part of the country. Now, uh, the legislature is in session now and passing new laws, and we've always considered that sort of a danger when they're in session. It, we always feel a lot safer when any legislative body, whether it's state or local, goes home. We, we just feel like, you know, we're, we're safer because change always bothers people. But uh, so having said that, what, are the, uh, legis- what is the legislation that has been passed or is being considered by the North Carolina General Assembly that might give North Carolina a better advantage as we 
grow our economy, not only new companies, but also existing businesses? Well, I, I think uh, in the five years that I've been here, uh, especially just here in the past couple of years, you've seen a lot of great bipartisan collaboration between the governor and the legislature on economic development uh, legislation, which is always encouraging to see because economic development, by and large, is a nonpartisan issue. Recruiting companies, helping existing businesses grow, promoting the state for tourism, none of these things carries a party label, nor should they. So that's why I think you've seen a lot of great co- cooperation to improve our incentives toolbox, uh, to make it more business friendly. I think going forward, of course, investments in things like infrastructure, education, healthcare, those things all improve the quality of life. They improve the quality of place. Uh, they improve that overall product that we're out there trying to promote to companies uh, that are looking to come here. Uh, education and, and infrastructure, of course, are considered two of the biggest building blocks of any economy, uh, especially when you consider the, the needs for a skilled, talented workforce uh, and the ability uh, to keep our infrastructure ahead of the growth that we've seen in North Carolina. Uh, Our population growth has been tremendous in the state because people are moving here from elsewhere, uh, especially in markets like the Triangle and Charlotte. Well, if the infrastructure can't keep up with that population growth, that's going to lead to congestion. That's going to lead to folks who think of us as an Atlanta or an Austin where you can never drive anywhere in less than an hour. That's not necessarily good for the image of a location. Uh, And so I think those kinds of investments in transportation infrastructure are also going to be pretty key. So uh, as you talk to, uh, let's talk about out-of-state uh, businesses that are lo- looking to locate in North Carolina. What, what are probably the top two or three things that they look for? We always think it's incentives, but uh, sure. I'm sure that's maybe there. But Yeah, I mean, incentives certainly play a role, but they typically play a role once you get down to those two or three finalist locations. I'd say at the outset, as they're narrowing down the funnel of locations, be it states or cities, uh, workforce and talent availability is certainly right now, given very low unemployment rates, given a strong economy, given these changing skill needs because of technological changes. Uh, I can't imagine there's a single conversation we've had in the past few years where workforce was not the number one issue that companies were thinking about. Uh, Of course, they're looking at total cost of operations. That could be energy costs. That could be tax rates. That could be construction and real estate costs. Uh, Certainly, talent dominates. And then depending on whether you're talking manufacturing or or office or biotechnology, you're going to have things like airport accessibility. You're going to have things like proximity to highway. You're going to have things like proximity to research universities. Again, really depends on on the sector after that. But number one on everybody's list, obviously, is, is talent, no matter the sector. Now, the uh, out-of-state investment in research is particularly large at uh, uh, UNC Chapel Hill is always in the top uh, five or six Absolutely. in the country. Duke, of course, is up there. NC State is always uh, there, probably not quite to the extent of Duke and, and UNC Chapel Hill, but very important. Those dollars are very important. Uh, that they create uh, jobs for very talented people, but also uh, I would think it would begin to create a tie between North Carolina and the companies that are funding them and the federal government. That's right, yeah. Our our universities are tremendously adept at drawing down that federal research support funding because they're doing fantastic research. Again, whether it's those universities right here in the Research Triangle, whether it's institutions like Wake Forest, UNC Charlotte, uh, wherever you go in the state, we've got universities that are able to leverage funding from the NIH, the NST, and some of these other groups. 
the key here is what are we doing with those early stage technologies that are being developed out of the research from our universities? What are, what's the ecosystem? What's the funding and capital situation like to support the commercialization of these technologies? Those technologies don't do us any good if they're sitting in a research lab somewhere. They need to get out and form private companies that will then become big job creators in and of themselves. That continues to be something that I think North Carolina, a lot of folks are looking how better to do that in the future. I'm going to ask you one more question. It's, it may you, you may have already answered it in some, to some degree, but what changes could help North Carolina have a little bit more of a competitive edge? What, what, what would you like to see? Well, I, I would say that we do very well right now. Again, you look at the business rankings, be it Forbes, Chief Executive Magazine. Um, we consistently are in the top 10, if not the top five. So we're very well regarded as a business climate by most of the people who are making these decisions. I would say continuing to invest in a business climate that uh, is, is a competitively priced one, a, a great value, a workforce and talent pool that's growing uh, and continues to grow, an infrastructure that supports our, our, our great location, uh, broadband connectivity, because that's the kind of the new infrastructure component, uh, quality of life issues, whether that's assuring we don't have traffic congestion, whether it's assuring we've got great health care access uh, for our citizens. I mean, all of this, as you can imagine, right, it's a, it's a lot of different pieces that go into how companies decide where to go. And I think no state should ever rest on its laurels. You've got to keep attacking each of those things to keep making your state a better place. Uh, and so that's what I would say, uh, as someone who's kind of greedy, I'd say let's work on all of that because that's just going to give us a, an even better product to go out around the world and promote. Well, uh, so the next question is uh, how can existing businesses uh, uh, not only work with you but take advantage of the programs that, that you have? What, what, can, what can business do to help you, existing business? Well, existing companies here in North Carolina are probably the best spokespeople for why North Carolina is a great place to do business. Look, our job on behalf of the state is to say great things about North Carolina, and we're always going to do that. But we're, in some ways, paid spokespeople for North Carolina's business climate. That's why we often try to leverage existing businesses and their leadership to tell that story of why they've been successful in North Carolina with our talent pool, with our education system, with our access to markets. Uh, we've got a great new series of, of, of videos that we produced recently featuring about a half dozen business leaders from all over North Carolina in all kinds of different sectors talking about the success they've enjoyed as an executive and as a company in North Carolina. And I tell you, that peer-to-peer -peer testimony, nothing can substitute for that when it's one business leader talking to another about why North Carolina is such a great place to do business. That's uh, no doubt true. I, I think uh, people would uh, find that e very easy to believe. Well, uh, Christopher, thank you so much for being with us and sharing the thoughts of what the Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina is doing. Again, if you'd like more information, you can go online to edpnc.com, edpnc.com, and get that information. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can do so by going online to carolinanewsmakers.com, carolinanewsmakers.com. program has been produced by Jason Cog, and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week on the same group of stations. Till next week, have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.